Hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of the 2017 season for the Kennel Podcast, a Western Bulldogs podcast. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find uh, us on Twitter at the Kennel Pod and you can find uh, myself at redrock underscore b-ball and we are, it's been a while, the last show we did was back after the 2016 AFL Grand Final but we're here now to get things kicked off for the 2017 campaign. And I'm not doing this one alone. I am joined by a relatively regular co-host, well, regular co-host, Simon Smith and Robin Lloyd. Simon, first of all, welcome back to you. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, yeah, it's come around quickly, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, looking forward to the new season. Definitely. Robin, welcome back to you. Thanks, Josh. Can't come quick enough. We're only uh, only two weeks away now from uh, from round one. We've seen a little bit of preseason action. We've seen the three games in the uh, in the JLT series go past. We've had uh, a whole preseason drafts, all that sort of stuff. So we've got a fair bit of stuff to talk about here. We're going to talk about the the moves that that happened over the off season, um, players in, players out, what we've seen throughout the preseason, what we're looking forward to, um, naming our our predicted teams for round one as well, which again is is just the two weeks away, and a little bit of um, differences in our in our teams there, which we'll talk about also as we go through that. If you said if you do want to find us on Twitter, it's at the Kennel Pod, or if you you could be watching this live on Facebook, it's at facebook.com/slash the Kennel Podcast, which uh, where where all our all our stuff is up on Facebook over there. Well, let's talk, guys. About the um about the moves on our on our list for this season because there weren't many of them but there's a couple or especially one that's you know, I guess a high, a high profile move and that's that's the addition of, of Travis Cloak to the team Simon I'll start with you. you know, Cloak came came in it didn't cost us a huge amount to get him in, in the trade period but but he's here now how do you how do you see what he's done so far I guess through the preseason and how do you see Travis Cloak fitting in and also were you a fan of the signing when it when it happened Uh yeah I thought it was. I mean, it was a no-risk signing, obviously. We gave up virtually nothing to get him. Uh, I, I mean, he's obviously impressed in, you know, in the sort of short period of time that he's been at the club in a, in a few pre-season games. Um, it's just in terms of his role, in terms of what he's gonna, who he's going to take, in terms of uh, someone like, you know, Zane Cordy, who was obviously, you know, very important in the last year's final series. So, um, but obviously Luke Beveridge in his time at Collingwood, so you know, he obviously was there at the time when Cloak was sort of at his peak, you know, sort of four or five, six years ago. And um, I assume he's still got, you know, confidence that he's still only 29 and he can probably, you know, still have at least a couple of good years. So um, in terms of, you know, obviously coming into a terrific side, um, I can't see much wrong with the move. I think it will be terrific. Yeah, I don't think there's a huge amount of pressure on him, really. He's not coming in to be... A, a forward line savior is not coming in to be the the number one target. We've seen throughout the preseason, yeah, him him pushing up the ground, yeah, taking taking marks across the wing, yeah, pinch hitting in the ruck as well, which he's going to have to do for the first few weeks of the season. And yeah, he, his endurance looked fine. I thought he was running and moving pretty well. Um, he, he definitely is a is a strong mark. The kicking is obviously going to be a concern. Robin, what did you make of it when it happened? Like we we obviously we knew it was going to happen for for quite a while beforehand. Um, what, what did you make of it when it actually went down? Were you, were you a fan of it? And how do you think he's fit in so far? I must say I was a bit reticent at first because, as you say, we did know a little while before it was announced. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought it's a good move. It's cost us nothing, as you've said. Uh, I think his main role will be to compete, uh, whether he takes marks or whether he doesn't. I just, um, when look, I looked over the final series again, the number of times the ball entered our forward line 
and the opposition marked uncontested was phenomenal. So if we can have somebody there being a competitor, even if the ball comes to the ground, it gives our smaller crumbing players uh, a better chance um, to, to actually put more scoreboard pressure on. And I think that was one area that we really let ourselves down in last year. We got the ball inside 50 so many more times than the opposition, but it came out a lot by uncontested defenders' marks. And if Travis can do that, I'm more than happy to have him. And as I say, he's cost us nothing. He's doing all the right things. And maybe he just needed a a change of scenery to rejuvenate his career. Yeah, look, what you said there is right, especially that was pretty noticeable in the grand final as well. Heath Grundy took a million marks on his own. And the other thing it does as well is it pushes everyone down a position. It moves Tom Boyd from being that guy that, that has three defenders go at him at every contest. He becomes a second forward down there or you know, the number one guy and cloaks the number two, but it takes two guys who can crash the pack and bring the ball to ground. It moves Stringer from being a high-marking power forward into being a power runner who moves through the midfield and becomes a crummer rather than a lead-up, sit-the-ball-on-his-head type of forward, which is not the player that he is. It pushes him down. It pushes Cramery into that role as well. So it enables these guys who are playing probably upper position or upper size down to the the role that suits them a little bit more so they don't have to be that player that's not utilizing what their best talents are and we've seen that through the preseason we've seen Stringer push up into the midfield for you know, probably the most I've ever seen him do it which honestly when we move forward in his career that's going to be his role he is going to be a midfielder who moves forward and goes 50-50 in those two roles and we've seen the power of him through those stoppages in the center you, know, you get a tackle and the first tackle doesn't stick and that that enables those guys to move through and it enables you know having cloak up there as you said just competing with these guys and giving us two options you've got a guy on the left side of the field a guy on the right side of the field you're gonna have Boyd and Cloak you know separate to each other so you can't just have the three big blokes come in and and, and smack Boyd in the head or, or you know block him out and grab and get, get the other guy to come up because they're gonna to have to deal with Cloak now the kicking's an issue but again he's not we're not relying on him to kick six goals a game we're relying on him to create goals from positioning from um, you know, creating space and from creating all that stuff. So, yeah, look, it, it is a no-risk move, and, and I think we'll see. I don't think it's going to create any problems. I don't think any, anyone's got any concerns about that. Now, the guys that left this season, we had Joel Hamling go back to Fremantle. Kobe Stevens left to go to St. Kilda. Nathan Rovat went to North Melbourne. Will Minson retired, and Jed Adcock, Jed Adcock also retired. Obviously, I would think we would all agree on this. The biggest loss out of that group is Joel Hamling. Smitty, um, with Hamling gone... How do, how do we cover that loss? Because obviously he was enormous, especially through that final series. Look, he didn't play the first half of the year, so it's not like we can't cope without him. How, how do we deal without having Hamling there? Yeah, it's good. It's a good question. Um, obviously, we've got, I mean, the big comeback is obviously Marcus Adams this year, which obviously he, his first half of the last season, his debut was uh, pretty pretty amazing in terms of, you know, just his, you know, obviously a debut season. He, he's, um, he fit in from day one. So, I'd imagine he'd be the sort of first sort of option that they would sort of look at, along with you know, obviously Fletcher Roberts from the grand final side. Um, I mean, Hamling's obviously, I mean, he was obviously excellent, but he, I mean, at the end of the day, only played, I think, eight regular, I mean, you know, games in the actual season proper. So I don't think he's irreplaceable. He obviously did very well, but um, the, the list depth as we have at the moment, I think we should cover, you know, pretty comfortably, I would have thought. Yeah, look, 
I initially thought, okay, yeah, Adams will move into that spot as well. We've got Kieran Collins coming down the line. He's not ready to take that yet. Robin, um, with Adams, I've been a little bit disappointed with his form through the preseason. Do you think that he slots in and takes over from Hamling straight away, or are we going to go a different route there? No, I don't think he does. I think his preseason's been poor, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think we'll have to make do... Um, I mean, I'm sure that that's what they're thinking is, is to have Adams in. I'm not sure if he's still suffering with that hand injury. He's still wearing a glove, which worries me, and he's not sure of his ball handling. He's not seeming to get into position as well as he did last year. Um, So I think at the moment they'd be more likely to move Cordy back to the back line where he actually came as a defender and play Robert and give Marcus a little time in the VFL to... He might be one of those players that needs to get touch, you know, that that run into form. Some people just have natural ability and some really need to work on their positioning and their skills, and I think Marcus might fall into that category. I'm hoping that he comes up, but I would have to say that his pre-season has been disappointing. Collins will obviously still take a bit longer um, and I think he's the the future of the, the back line. I, I think he will be the mainstay for a lot of years, but he's not ready yet. No, he's, he's, a, he's a fair distance away. Um, yeah, Kobe Stevens gone, Nathan Horvath gone. They barely played a you know, significant role. Stevens played you know, a few games early on in the season. Horvath has struggled to put anything together since his, his first year, really. So, look, they... They cost us some depth, but you obviously bring in depth through the draft with some of these other players that came in that will eventually start to fill those roles. So I don't think they're considered massive losses to the overall depth of the squad or anything like that. And of course, Minson and Adcock yeah, barely played last season. So overall, it wasn't you know, a big issue. We, we bring Cloak in, we lose Hamling, plus we get the returns of Bob Murphy. We get Stu Crammery back as well. We'll eventually get Mitch Wallace back, uh, Jack Redpath, so adding some other players back in terms of depth that we didn't have there yeah, towards the end of last season, so overall, it's a, you know the the addition to the quality of the team is a plus based on uh, based on where we ended at last season, I believe. Now the drafted guys, um, not sure how much you guys have seen these these guys play across the the preseason. We only really saw them um, in that second game against Brisbane. We picked Tim English at pick nineteen, Pat Lipinski at pick twenty eight, Lewis Young at forty nine, and Fergus Green at pick seventy, and then Nathan Mullinger McHugh and Tristan Tweedy in the uh, in the rookie draft. Um, English is obviously the one that most people were keeping their eye on, the, the big ruckman from Western Australia. Smitty, did you see him much across the preseason, and how did you think he looked? I saw little bits. I wouldn't, I, to be honest, I didn't, you know, sort of watch huge um, grabs of the preseason as a whole. Um, obviously, he's got you know tremendous sort of height and um, athleticism and whatnot, and he was very highly rated coming into the into the draft in the season. So um, I've probably – I mean, he, he'd be the only one I've sort of really kept an eye on, and um, I thought, you know, he's obviously with Roughhead out now is going to have to take on probably a bit more responsibility than he would have probably expected and the club probably would have wanted. So um, I, th- I thought he – you know, he, he looked sort of more than sort of uh, – adequate in terms of being able to sort of fill in for the time being. So, but I haven't sort of watched a great deal of the sort of, 
you know, in terms of the recruits up close. So I can't sort of can't say a hell of a lot, unfortunately. Well, we didn't see much of Lipinski. We didn't see. We haven't seen anything of Green yet. Lewis Young looked all right in that first game. But the thing I thought that stood out to me about English was his ability to handball, to get down on the ground and get grab the ball, and his kicking skills were good. Like he got annihilated in the ruck against Stefan Martin against the Lions. You barely want to hit out, but he took a couple of strong contested grabs. He moves around, and he's going to be one of those um, link type Ruckman, I think, at this point in his career, that the guy that can move around and be the, the player who takes a mark in the centre and helps negotiate a switch from one wing to the other through hands and through accurate kicking. And, and that's what I liked about him. He, he's, he's a long way away. And we saw that in that game against Gold Coast the other night, he was in the 24 players that were picked, but he didn't play. So he's probably on the outer looking in for round one. But I think that you know initially when he came in, you see, you go, geez, this guy's tall and ridiculously skinny. He's not going to play for a couple of years. I think that he might actually get a game this year, Robin. How did you see him and were you surprised or impressed with what you saw so far? Oh, his skills for a big man, oh, that sounds very uh, elitist, but his skills were really good. He looks to me like a very, very tall midfielder. That's how he seems to play. And I'm thinking with the new no third man up rule, um, there's going to be a lot of emphasis placed on really tall guys that can jump. So down the line, I can see him as being a really uh, important factor in our team, probably not this year, but he he's, his ability to pick the ball up off the ground, his ability to handball in traffic, and his tackling were all really good, I thought, in that first hit out. Uh, he still needs to put on uh, a heck of a lot of conditioning. And um, I do remember going to a like an education night when Brendan McCartney was the coach and he showed us some graphs about guys in their first pre-season. It was actually Libra and Wallace he was showing us compared to Bartel and Enright from Geelong. And it really takes them two or three pre-seasons to have a body that's able to cope with the the rigours of AFL, and I think with the Ruckman, it's probably more because there's more frame to fill, more, they've just, they've got to really bulk up. He's no match for the big mountain Ruckmans at, Ruckman at the moment, but I think he's got tremendous, um, tremendous skills and tremendous ability to really be something special. Yeah, look, yeah, as you said, his ability to, to, to pick the ball up has been uh, fantastic, and yeah, it's going to take him a while. Look, we've seen that with plenty of players. You see, Dalhouse had played you know, up forward for basically his first three years until he was able to run through the midfield. That same thing is going to happen to Stringer now. Like it's just going to take this long for them to get enough. You know, not that Stringer was lacking any strength or anything like that, but enough you know, endurance to be able to run through the midfield for you know, lengths of time. We haven't seen really enough of, of Lipinski or, or Lewis Young or Fergus Green to, to know too much about them at, at this point. Let's let's talk about, uh, we've talked about all these all these new guys here. Let's talk about the JLT series now. Um, Smitty, what, what stood out to you for, from these three preseason games? Like, what, what was one thing that you looked at and, okay, this is something that's maybe new or different that, um, or, or a concern that you have even? Like, what did you take out of those three games? Oh, I mean, probably the fact that, um, I mean, a few of the players sort of probably spoke about it was the fact that um, considering we, we obviously went into the first week of October that um, it's, I mean, probably the fact that they're sort of a bit, bit behind schedule in terms of their... Uh, overall sort of match conditioning and whatnot. And um, they've sort of mentioned that a couple of times that the, the other clubs are sort of a month ahead and um, we're probably obviously not used to that yet in terms of our preparation. So 
Um, it might take, you know, till a month into the season to sort of um, get to where they ideally want to get to, which, which is obviously last year we saw what happened. Um, we were able to sort of just, you know, run over the top of, um, you know, the, the Swans in the end of the grand final. So um, that's probably the, the biggest sort of, in terms of the big picture, I thought that, um, that yeah, it's just the preparation and um, I don't think it'll take too long, but it might, you know, obviously we saw on, on the last game that we we're down by sort of, you know, quite a, nearly 50 points at half time. So um, that's probably the biggest biggest thing I would have thought, um, apart from obviously the injury to Roughhead, which was obviously unfortunate, um, probably just the guys getting back into it and, um, you know, sort of getting into the swing, swing of things at the start of the year. What what did you make of the of the play of Bob Murphy and Stu Cramery guys who'd missed you know, basically the entirety of last season who played two of the three games? Um, what did you make of their return to action? I thought they were, they were pretty impressive. I mean, Cramery obviously you know sort of bobbed up in the last game and kicked some goals, and Murphy just showed you know sort of what he's you know what we've seen for the last sort of fifteen plus years. Um, I just yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say once you get to round one. It, as opposed to sort of a pre-season game in the Gold Coast or against, you know, Melbourne and whatnot. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be sort of wait and see. But I, I thought... I thought they showed showed you know glimpses of what they what they're capable of. It's just going to take some time. Robin, what did you take out of the JLT series? Um, not a lot. I thought we were outplayed in a lot of it. Um, Melbourne outplayed us for three quarters, but we finished up losing by a kick. Um, Brisbane outplayed us for three quarters, and we ended up losing by a kick and a bit. Um, we were well down in the other one and came storming home. I thought it showed our ability, even though we weren't playing well, to hang with teams, even though at times it looked like the opposition got easy goals, um, you know, out the back, a lot of out the back goals unopposed. But once we sort of got our flow together, we um, it, everything seemed to gel. I, I struggle to understand how... Um, we need. I don't know. I know. I know. Practice makes perfect. But some of the um, skills, like drop chest marks and things like that, I'm. I'm not sure how that happens. But obviously it does. And we're obviously a little underdone compared to the teams we played, who all missed the eight, so all had a much longer preparation than us. But I'm. I'm buoyed by the fact that. We didn't get thrashed. We we actually butted up fairly well in every second half. We were actually coming home better than any team that we played in each match. So that's I, I I'd, I'd like to see the season start proper and see what we've got to bring. The biggest thing I took out of the the entire series to me was the form of Stringer. We, we could talk about it, and people were you know, disappointed with Stringer last season, but he, he wasn't he wasn't that bad I didn't think last year he had some poor and I think it was highlighted by some poor games towards the end of the year but the way that he played through the preseason was very encouraging he was yeah, super aggressive he, his kicking was good but the fact that he moves into the middle and just becomes another power runner through there and, and a guy that can break those con- congested situations open I think he's going to be huge for us moving forward again the return of Cramery the re- return the addition of Cloak means he doesn't need to sit up as the lone forward for 90% of the game. He can push up the ground. 
he can use that you know, ridiculous explosion and, and strength through his lower body to, to break open packs and be a link guy and and you know, draw two, three guys into tackling, which then opens up the other guys you know, on his left or right to run free. And I thought the way that he played and the way that they used him was uh, especially encouraging. I thought Lin Jong was impressive as well. He was probably a hardest player at the ball for the entire series. Now, I'm not sure that that means too much, but, but he looked good and you know, was really aggressive. He's also potentially one of the worst disposers of the footy in, in the entire league. His kicking was disgraceful, and every time he gets a shot, like running into goal, you just think there is no chance that this is going in at all. And But that's fine. You know, as long as he's not taking you know, four or five shots a game like that or, or being the guy that you're expected to hit up all your leading forwards, as long as he's the guy getting in and, and grabbing the marks and um, laying the tackles and putting the body pressure on, I thought he looked good. I was a little bit concerned. You talked about drop chest marks and that, Robin. Liam Pickin looked really fumbly to me through the whole preseason. I just He just didn't seem to get anything going at all but again we, we don't know sort of where they are in their preparation but that that worried me a little bit um and in terms of the return of Cranberry Smitty what you said about that yeah he's obviously going to be have to work his way back in he looked good at that second half um I am a little bit worried about Bob Murphy I don't, th- don't think there's too much to be worried about but I'm a little concerned just with him uh, this season again the 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 age I thought even before his injury last year he was a little bit off with his decision making let's hope that's not an issue but with the way that we've developed other players in his position he's not relied upon to do everything anymore you know Biggs Johannesson Wood all these guys will will you know, take that load off him so I don't think we need to rely upon him as say as what as much as what we may have thought we did at the start of last season with all those guys stepping up and, and playing his role so I don't think it's going to be too much of a concern but I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how he goes through the first couple of rounds of the season all right now before we head on to talk about our round one teams it's time for us to do a guess the player quiz now guys I have given you the the I haven't given you any information, actually. The information I've given you is the player played through the 1980s and 1990s. Now, the specific thing, what we're going to... I'm going to try and do this on each episode is give you a player jumper number and the year that they wore that jumper number, and you have to tell me who the player is. And if you don't get it, we'll just gradually increase the clues as we go along. So the the player we're looking at is the 1995 season, and he wore number 10. First one to answer gets the prize, which is nothing. Number 10 in 95. Oh, good. It wasn't Greg Eppleston, was it? It was not Greg no, Eppleston. No, he was 12. It was not oh. Greg Eppleston. Okay, the, the next clue is he wore number 44 in his first season. Not Aussie. Nope. No, he was 44 his whole season. I can tell you the knots. <laughs> he, um, he, he, um, he initially was on Geelong's was list, but never played a game for them. No. He, he played 130 games <clears throat> over eight seasons. Nine seasons, sorry. Bernard Tui. No, he... Was from he is from Melton. He has a son that won the 2016 AFL Premiership. Oh, Mark Hunter, God. Mark Hunter is correct. Congratulations, Smitty. No, he was on John's list. Neither did I until I researched that yesterday. One of you is 44. Yeah, he was 44 for his first season, and then and then wore number 10 all the way through uh, after that. He was from Melton, played was played under 19s at Geelong and reserves at Geelong, and then was delisted without playing a game, and then. Came across to us in 1988, played 130 games, um, averaged 17 disposals per game through his career. How many goals do you reckon he kicked through his career? Not many because he was a back pocket. He kicked, he kicked 10. He actually kicked seven in one season in 94, which, which surprises me somewhat. Where he, he averaged 22 touches a game in that, uh, in, in that season and, and kicked, uh, kicked seven goals, seven. 
little bit little bit surprising. But yeah, Mark Hunter is our guest the player of the week. Congratulations to Simon, you win the barking dog sound effect. All right, let's uh, let's talk about our let's talk about our round one teams. Or right, now we, we we all picked our our teams of who we think is going to be in for round one, and we had a little bit of difference. But what we'll do is we'll talk about the uh, the players that we all had in common. I'll just I'll just run through those at first. And before we before we get into that, it, it was it was tough, wasn't it, guys, to actually narrow down the players down to just twenty two guys. Smitty, how how hard was it? It, it wasn't easy, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't easy. Obviously, you go. First point of um, reference is obviously the grand final team from last year. And then obviously you've got some new recruits and whatnot. Um, and then you've got to try and obviously make room for, you know, obviously we had Joel Hamling leave, but um, a couple of obviously inclusions. But to leave guys out is, um, yeah, it's not going to be easy for the uh, selection. All right, so the players that we all had in, in common, I'll just run through them quickly. Bob Murphy, Bonton Pally, Matthew Boyd, Dalhouse, Lockie Hunter, Jake Stringer, Easton Wood, Jack McRae, Tom Boyd, Fletcher Roberts, Tom Libertore, Caleb Daniel, Jason Johannesson, Dale Morris, Liam Picken, Matt Suckling, Toby McLean, Shane Biggs, and Travis Cloak. They were the players that we all had in our, in our teams. Now, the differences that we had, myself and Robin, our teams differed by, I had Clay Smith in, and you had Zane Cordy in. Robin, why why did you think that you'd put Cordy in over Smith? Look, I'm happy to have Smith in the side, but not at Cordy's expense. I think we need Cordy uh, as a, a bit of a tall in the back line. I, I can see that um, I need somebody at centre-half back that's got a bit of height, and I know Wood can probably play there. I just think Cordy also can take any ruck work that's in the back half to relieve Tom Boyd a bit because I haven't played another ruckman. I've got Tom Boyd doing the bulk of the rucking and Cordy doing the back line rucking and Lin Jong doing the forward line uh, and probably Travis Cloak doing the forward line rucking. So I've got him in there, probably not at the expense of Smith. The one that I would have, if Smith comes in, which I'm happy for Smith to be in, I think the one that goes is Cramery. Cramery's been um, hasn't had a lot of touch until that second half against Gold Coast, but he then showed he he really stepped up. I thought, and everything seemed to gel. Smith just looks a little underdone. I'm not sure if he's had uh, operations in the preseason, or whether it's the shock of actually having a full preseason. Because I don't think in his whole however many years he's been there, he's probably had an uninterrupted preseason. So he just seems a little underdone, and he does seem each time he does seem to spend a fair bit of time on the bench, getting a bit of work done on his back and his hip. There seems to be some issue there. So that's the only reason I've left him out. He's a better tackler than Cramery. He's a better. He's a, a worse looking disposer, but he's accurate in his disposal. Uh, he adds a lot more pressure. But I think Cramery's just got that bit of height and size about him, and a bit more polish, perhaps. You want to talk about worst look, worst looking disposal? Zane Cordy's got the worst looking left foot I've ever seen. Uh, it's like he's never never kicked left foot in his life. They somehow come off, but it just looks. It looks absolutely horrible. But the interesting thing with Cordy, the, you said we, we've seen a, a massive change in his role. Like last year, he was a defensive forward. That's all he played. But we've seen through the preseason, he's playing down back for that reason. Now, out of the 22 guys that played on Thursday night uh, against Gold Coast, we saw Adams and English as part of the 24, but they didn't play because they wanted to go with his 22. Morris has to come in. 
So someone has to go. So that, it, it might be Cordy's the player that, that misses out of that group and maybe he was filling Morris's role. But I understand exactly what you're saying. Cordy filled in in the ruck last year, did a little bit. I'm not sure he's big enough necessarily to hold down a key role, but, but really, who else is? So that's, yeah, that, that is an interesting one. Now, Smitty, your team had a couple of differences to mine. You had Cremery out and you had Jong out, and in their place you had Dunkley and Adams. Um, first of all, talk us through through Dunkley. Um, I really like Dunkley, but the fact that he wasn't in the 24 for Thursday night sort of steered me clear of him. Well, what makes you think that he's going to get into that round one team? Uh, well, I don't know. There's probably definitely no certainty. Um, I'm just going on basically on last year's form and how he was. He basically just improved um, everything. Every game he played, um, for a first-year player, obviously, he was outstanding to play on a premiership side. Um, yeah, I'm probably not trying to take too much out of the preseason, if that sounds a bit silly, but um, it's basically based on his, you know, how impressive he was last year, um, whether or not he... Um, yeah, I can't say why or not he got picked for the last game, but um, that's pretty much why. Yeah, and you've got you've got Adams in there to fill that defensive role at the expense of Jong as well. So look, I guess you've gone with another defender with Adams. Robin's gone with Cordy. I I went away from that, and I think that we'll see. Um, I think we'll see Morris, uh, Roberts, you know, and holding down the two key positions there, and then you know, Wood Murphy, Johannesson, Biggs as, as the other uh, backline players. That's that's how I think. But I can totally see. Unless, look, I had guys. You know, I had a list of six guys who I could easily see getting in. You know, Dunkley, Adams. Um, English is another one they could throw in there. Cordy, who wasn't in my team. The other one who none of us have put in there, and I think we'd all have him in there if we knew he was ready to go, and that's Tory Dixon. He played his first game last night for the VFL. He played up the field a little bit, um, trying to work his way into fitness after off-season groin surgery. Um, would you all have him in if he'd played through the preseason and we knew he was healthy? I assume we're all leaving him out because we don't know where his fitness is. Robin, I'll start with you. Oh, that's the only reason he's out of my side because... Um... He's obviously had surgery and he obviously didn't come up as quick as they'd hoped. I have heard that he's a chance for round one, but more likely round three because he has no games under his belt, no actual, um, you know, physical contact to see. Because this is the same problem that dogged him at the beginning of last season. And I'm happy for him to have a slow start if he finishes off the way he finished off last year. But his accuracy, his ability to get um, behind the play, his ability to uh, make sure he has a man on him, which gives the others a chance to do the running into goal. Uh, I'm happy for him to stay inside 50 all day um, because he does give us an avenue to goal, which really is what our, our biggest problem last year was for the amount of times we went forward, the amount of scoring shots we had. We should have been able to absolutely blitz teams with the amount of uh, forward forward work we put on, but um, a lot of times we fell over the line. So if he was fit, he'd be in my side. I'm not sure. I think then Cramery would go out. Smitty, would you have him in? Oh, yeah, definitely. He'd be starting... Starting, yeah, being the 18, pretty much. Um, yeah, he's as Robin was saying, he's. Um, I mean, he probably wasn't. He had times last year, obviously, where he did uh, miss goals that you know he'd normally kick in his sleep. Um, but he's proven in the time that he's been the dogs. I mean, he's he's sort of one of those guys. He just knows where to where to where to move and where to go and how to kick a goal. He's just got a great sense. So um, he's a yeah. He'd be. I mean, 
when when he's fit and going, he's a he'd be a walk up start in my opinion. Who would, who would you have out of your team to put him in? Uh, oh, I mean, it's a toss up between Dunkley and McLean, I suppose. Maybe Dunkley, but you know, that'd be one of those two guys. I would have, I would assume be one of between one of those sort of two guys. I'd, I'd have him in as well. I'd probably have him in over Jong, to be honest. I really like what McLean can do. I think McLean, you know, heading into his now third season, he can push up into the midfield a little bit more. And I'd like to see him do that somewhat more. And I'd like to see uh, Dixon in there over Jong if he was ready. But at this point, we're assuming that he is not ready to go. But again, he is a chance. We just don't uh, know that yet. Now, the other guys that, that aren't available, obviously Dixon, we don't know. Uh, Mitch Wallace, who we're looking at coming back, hopefully hopefully at some time early to mid-season, Jack Redpath, who tore his ACL last season, Roughhead, who's going to be out for the first month or so of the season, and Tom Campbell. They're the guys who are all unavailable for selection at the moment. Let's uh, let's wrap up the show by just doing a few picks to uh, predict some stuff for the season. Smitty, if you're going to pick one guy who's going to take a big leap forward this season and sort of cements themselves more as a semi-regular in the team, not, not, not necessarily someone you've even picked in this round one team, but someone who comes up out of nowhere, I guess like a, like a Dunkley last season who cemented themselves as a real regular... In the squad, like who who could that player be to you? Uh, I mean, it's I don't think there's any one player to be honest. It's I mean, if I was to pick someone who's been you know sort of just okay, but I think would take a huge leap forward would be Tom Boyd. Um, obviously, he just went um, through the roof last year in the last couple of finals, especially. And um, I would I mean, if I was to say someone who's going to take a big leap, it would be. Him, I mean, obviously that's an easy call now considering he's just come off a near Norm Smith sort of best on ground in the grand final, I would have thought. Um, if I had to pick anyone, I'd say to take a big leap forward, even though he's not a, you know, he's, he's pretty much a regular in the side now, but he'd be the one that I, I would say that would just gain enormous confidence from um, from his time uh, sort of pinch hitting in the ruck when Ruffhead went down, obviously, in the prelim and whatnot. And, um Assuming he comes over his um, shoulder injury and the pre-shoulder surgery and recovers, I think he's a massive chance to take a huge leap. Robin, what about you? The one I think might come through is Bailey Dale. Yeah, that's my answer too. Um, sort of an unassuming-looking footballer, uh, but can do most things. He's um, he's quite an accurate kick. He's just one of those guys that I think's got a lot of potential. Just I'm just not sure where he fits in, but I'm fairly confident that he'll get games this year. And the other one that I think's got a lot of improvement to be a really good footballer is Toby McLean. Uh, He can take marks. He's got clever ball sense. He positions himself well. He's still just a kid. Um, These kids that are 19 and 20, by the time they're 23, they could be anything. Uh, they would be the two that I'd be looking for. I think yeah, Dale, Dale's my one. I think he's going to be real good. I think he's he's got an ability to take a grab already. He he's very smart with where he moves. His kicking skills are fantastic. I think that look look at this team and we talk about how hard it is to get players into the team. Injuries are going to happen. Players are going to get hurt at some point. And I think that Dale's going to be a guy that at some point this season finds himself in there and puts together a sustained run. Look, you look back two years ago. Um, Lucky Hunter wasn't a regular in the team and got in about halfway through the season and then averaged about 30 touches for the last six or seven games of that year and then pushed through to 2015 and did the same. And obviously we saw what he did last season, but he wasn't a regular. He just got this opportunity and then changed the way that he played his game. I think that Bailey Dale is going to be that guy as well. If we want to look at the other side of things, Robin, I'll go back to you on this one. Who's a player that you think 
we obviously don't want this to happen, but who's a candidate to maybe drop off a little bit in what they did from last season? Well, the obviously obvious ones are the older guys, the Boyds and the Morrises, and even the Mur- or Murphy can't drop off from last season. But um, the one that does worry me a little, and this will probably come as a surprise, is Eston Wood. I'm I'm not sure that. I just hope that he's right on song, but his form in the JLT, mind you, he came off a massive ankle injury. That operation that he had on his ankle was a, a major, major thing. So probably I'm being a bit unfair. I, I just not sure. He doesn't seem to have as much run and dash as he used to have, but I assume that they're relying on um, Joe Henderson and Murphy to run off the half back lines and would just to be more of the mark and defending type. Yep. Smitty, who do, who do you see as, as someone who, who might just you know, step back a little bit this year? Uh, it's, I mean, it's really hard to say. I mean, if I was to say anyone, I mean, it sounds pretty, you know, I don't know, harsh, but maybe Matthew Boyd would be probably the only one I can think of in terms of his age. But aside from that, I mean, the, the team's just so so young and the team's just getting, I mean, to, it's, it's only going to get better. So it's, you know, you can put your hand up, either Dale Morris or Matthew Boyd, but, I mean... I really, I mean, until the season really gets going, it's really hard to say, but I sort of don't want to jinx anyone and say they're going to, you know, drop off or anything. So um, it, it could be one of those guys, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really I really can't say one one way or another. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry about that. But, yeah, that's that's just how I'm how I feel at the moment. It is hard, I guess, with a team that's so young with all, everyone sort of starting to improve. But, you know, we, we saw, I guess, you know, Stringer be that person last season who, who didn't necessarily take the step forward and maybe went backwards in a couple of areas. So it's always a possibility for it to happen. Um, the guy that I said I was a little bit concerned about earlier, yeah, Bob Murphy, obviously he didn't play last season, but I just don't think we're going to see 2015 Bob Murphy this year. Um, Boyd's obviously the other one. But the, out of the other younger players, I think it's, it's tough to consider many of those players taking a step back the last question before we uh, wrap up this first episode for 2017 is a question of who do you think is going to make their AFL debut first Smitty I'll start with you I've got four options here you can uh, add another one into that group if you think one of these guys debuts first it's Tim English Pat Lipinski Declan Hamilton or Brad Lynch which one of these players do you think makes their AFL debut first yeah um, probably as unlikely as you would have thought it's probably Tim English Um, obviously I mean he was obviously the first pick in the draft for us last season but um with the um, rough head out, Minson retiring, I think that's probably the most um, probably you know the most likely. Considering obviously the midfield depth we have with the other the other guys are probably going to take maybe half a season to sort of push their way in. So I'd say uh, Tim English should be the most likely. Robin, uh, I'm going the other way. I think it'll be Hamilton. Although at the moment he's in a moon boot, so that's probably put his preparation back a bit. But I think it'll probably be um, Hamilton or Lynch. Um, they're versatile uh, and they've got a couple of pre-seasons under their belt. That's the the big thing. Um, it's, it's much easier for them to step in. As we saw last season, players stepped in and filled voids almost seamlessly because their preparation and their, their work had been done, you know, in the pre-seasons before. So I think they need that under their belt. I think Lipinski's a bit of a, a Rovat-style player. He would be the next English I would try to hold back. 
until his body actually is AFL ready. The rest of him's AFL ready, but I really want his body to be ready. I don't want him knocked around because that can do untold damage. Lipinski's a lot bigger than Rovat. He's a he's a he's a decent size. He's he's the same size as Lin Jong. He's a he's a lot. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a decent sized player. He played a, he played some key position in uh, in under 18s. He's uh, he's bigger than he's just he's marginally he's just exactly the same height as Easton Wood. So he's oh a, my goodness, he looks so little on the field. Yeah, I think it's his haircut that makes him look smaller. I don't know why. Just I think it's his, oh. I think it's a haircut. I think he needs to change the hair up to to make him look taller. But he's he's tall. He's he's a, he's a decent size. He's he's probably you know in our upper upper quadrant of, of tall players. But yeah, exactly the same height as Easton Wood, taller than Matty Boyd, same height as Suckling and Murphy, that sort of size. So there that you go. That really surprises me. So he is. But he look I guess yeah, he he's he can take it he can take a grab. Now I think I think it's gonna probably be Lynch myself. I would have said English had he he got into the action on Thursday night, if they you know said, Okay, well he's gonna be our Ruckman moving forward, I would have said, Okay, English is a chance for round one. I don't think he is anymore. I think it's going to be Lynch that debuts first out of this group. I think that I think he's going to be really interesting to see how this guy goes. He's got really good foot skills. He looks like he can move pretty well as well. There's some pretty big wraps on him coming out. I think that he's going to be a player that, that plays, maybe only plays two games this year, but I think he, in the first 10 rounds or first maybe six rounds, I think we see a game out of Brad Lynch if they decide they rest Boy for one of these games or, or Murphy sits out one of them because... You know, I don't think they're just going to come out and put you know, play Bob 22 straight. I think we've seen it over the course of the two years that Bevo has been there so far that players, if there's anything slightly not right, we've seen Boyd sit a game, Bont would miss a game, Wood would miss a game, um, Morris will sit a game. Look, they'll, they'll, they'll miss the occasional game here or there just if something's not 100% and let these younger players come in and start to develop what they can do and, and build them up so they've got a bit more confidence. So, look, I think... I wouldn't say there's anyone outside of those, that group of four who's who's a chance. I don't think the Green and Young are, are going to jump ahead of these players and debut first, but I can see all those guys being being a, an option. All right, we are done for uh, for today's show. That is the preview for our round or season preview and, and preview for round one. We've got uh, 13 days until we take on Collingwood in the first first game of the AFL season. Robin, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Simon. Smitty, Thanks, Smitty, thank you for coming on again. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. No problem now, everyone. If you want to find us on iTunes, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at The Kennel Pod. You can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Simon is Simon A. Benedict, and Robin is Robin Lloyd 01 So go and follow us all on Twitter over there. Thanks for listening, everyone. We are done. See ya. Bye.